Hey friends, I'm Becky Davidson. Welcome to the Rising Above Ministries podcast, where we share stories of hope, inspiration, and encouragement from special needs families from around the world. Today on the podcast, I'm joined by Stephen Doc Hunsley, and Doc is the executive director and founder of SOAR Special Needs. SOAR serves individuals with disability through their regular respite events and special needs day camps. Doc is a retired pediatrician, and he and his wife are the parents to three beautiful children, Luke, Mark, and Sarah. Their middle child, Mark, passed away at the age of five, and during Mark's five years, he gave his family the opportunity to learn from and to love a child with autism. We had such a great conversation, and I know that you'll enjoy getting to hear more from Doc Hunsley. Hey, Doc, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you today? Hey, I'm so glad to have this conversation with you. I haven't seen you in a very long time. We are ministry partners doing disability ministry together and loving and serving special needs families. Me here in Tennessee and you in Kansas. Am I right? It's Kansas. You're right right over the Kansas, Missouri line there. But, um, you know, we've run into each other at conferences and, and gotten to know each other over the years. But over the past couple of years, I've been here. You've been there. We've been trying to, to keep things going. So I'm glad to get to see you and have this conversation. Absolutely. Yeah, a little thing called COVID's gotten in the way Yeah. the uh, last couple of years. But yes, I've definitely missed you and and have definitely in, enjoyed um, the friendship here and, and you know, definitely been a friend with with the ministry and we love uh, linking arms and being partners. And, right. and obviously I was great friends with your, your amazing husband. Yeah. Um, and, and we all miss him so dearly, but yeah, love, love the work that you all are doing and, and uh, love every time we get a chance to partner together. Yeah. It's fun. It's fun getting to do ministry together and, and working together as a team and just pulling our resources together. And, you know, you were one of our host sites for by the brook which was amazing. It was phenomenal. Things like that, that we get to do together. And it's just, you know, we've been to your, your wonderfully made conference. We'll talk about all those things as we get in the conversation, but anyway, it's fun to do ministry with you and to get to have this conversation. And I know bits and pieces about your story because I've heard you speak before. I went Mm -hmm. to your website. I watched some of the videos that you have there on your website, but doc, your life kind of like my life, and most people's lives have not gone the way that we thought our life was going to look like. So not at all. When you were young, high school doc, pre doc, um, what did you? What were some of the dreams that you had for your life? What did you think at that point your life was going to look like? Yeah. So I'll go even further back. Since I was in first grade, my dream, all I've ever wanted to do, and it never wavered, was I was going to be a pediatrician. Wow. And I'll never forget my first grade teacher, you know, always asked everyone, what do you want to do when you get older and expecting, especially the boys, I'm going to be an astronaut or a firefighter, policeman. And here's this, you know, six, seven year old said, I'm going to be a pediatrician. And she sat there and goes, do you even know what that is? I was just getting ready to say, did you even know what that word meant at that point? Right. And I sat there and said, yes, that's a baby doctor. And her, I remember to this day, her mouth just dropping open. Um, And it's, that's what it's been ever since. All I ever dreamed about, all I ever wanted to do was be a pediatrician. Now, there have been little changes to it. It might have been specialized in pediatrics, 
a while I want to be a pediatric heart surgeon for a while, pediatric brain surgeon, and then pediatric emergency medicine, and you know, just all kinds of different things. So that always changed, but I always knew it was going to be medicine. I'd be in pediatrics, and I, that was unwavering. I was passionate about that, and nothing was going to change it. I've loved children. I, you know, growing up, I always worked in children's ministry through high school, did children's ministry, and I knew that's what it was going to be. So there was no question. I was dead set for that. Every goal I had was med school or bust. Um, mm-hmm. And it almost busted me. Yeah. You know, it, <laughs> Med school is a whole lot harder than I thought it would be. Um, but God got me through it and and got to where my goal was um, and finally did. And, and that first grade teacher was at my graduation party oh, and, and wow. sitting there remembering going, I remember, you know, 20 years ago wow. you and shared that story again with me. And she was shocked. I remembered that. But that, you know, again, that's just the power of, I'm a very much of a goal-oriented person, and I know what I want. I set my mind to it, and I'm going to do it. But all my life, it's been to be a pediatrician. So you made that goal. You made the goal. You became a pediatrician. Your lifelong dream since you're in first grade has come true. Right. But it didn't turn out the way you thought. It didn't quite go the way I, I thought. Yeah, so, so share that um, part of the journey. Yeah, so several things happened along the way. Um, I I met my amazing wife in medical school. God, you know, truly blessed me there. Um, married way up. Um, <laughs> she she got the 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 worst of the deal. Um, we just celebrated twenty seven wow. amazing years of being married. Have three kids now. Um, and after got married, we went to San Antonio, Texas, to do our residencies um, with. Medicine, you have to do residency after uh, med school of whatever your specialty is, and then you can practice. She's a pediatrician as well. Um, and so we were doing that. I I got a scholarship in med school to pay for three of my years from the Air Force. So it was a one-for-one deal. They paid for three, year, three of my four years, and they promised me I could do a civilian residency so I could be with my wife. Six months into my internship, they notified me we're calling everyone to active duty. You're, you're going to finish your one year and then go to active duty. Wow. So we were married for one year together. And then they pulled me out of my training and shipped me uh, about a thousand miles away to Alabama where, you know, our second year of marriage, we lived in, you know, completely different States. And, you know, that was tough and hard to do, but basically then did my three-year payback with the Air Force. I became a flight surgeon with the Air Force, got to fly with them, and and I was the doctor for all the pilots and their families. So did all my training, went through all that, and ended up, you know, becoming a pediatrician and working in an emergency room, pediatric ER, and I was in my dream job for 26 days. And then I got sick from taking care of my patients. And so I spent, you know, all this time, all this training and boom, doing what I'm loving, I get sick. And that puts me in the hospital where for 46 days, I'm in the intensive care unit. Three different times, they tell my wife to make plans because I wouldn't make it through the night. Mm -hmm. And God had his hand on me and allowed me to live through that. Top four diagnoses on my chart. Each one by itself had a 0.01 survival rate. Wow. If you, you know, every single doctor I had, they were convinced I was going to die. 
No one believed I would walk out of that hospital. I was so sick, they forgot to give me nutrition because they were so busy trying to work on my heart, my lungs, just keep me alive. It demon done on them. Oh my gosh, we're not giving this, this man nutrition. Wow. As a result, I lost 75 pounds of muscle mass. And I had to go through nine months of rehab just to be able to walk again. So I get out of the hospital. I'm going through my rehab. Well, we've got this great house, but our bedroom's upstairs. I couldn't even walk upstairs mm-hmm. without almost passing out because I couldn't breathe. Yeah. And like I shared, I was an athlete all my life. I was in the Air Force. I was in decent shape. But all of a sudden, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't walk. I couldn't do anything without passing out. Because my lungs were just collapsing on me. I I felt like I wasn't breathing. Made it through all my rehab, everything. Finally get ready to go back to work. It's now winter time. I get my flu shot. First week back to work. It's actually my second shift. I got sick. I ended up with influenza despite having my flu shot. And that put me back in the intensive care unit. Where once again, I almost died. However, this time they found out I'm the only known person in the world with this. The main muscle allows you to breathe is the diaphragm. And half of mine's paralyzed. It's paralyzed on the right. If it was completely paralyzed, I'd be dead. If it, you know, and it's on the right, you have three lobes of lung on the right, two on the left because the heart sits there. So in essence, I only have 40% lung function. That's why I have zero exercise tolerance. Why I was almost passing out walking up those stairs. So got through all of that and and everything, got out of the hospital. Again, took like another week or so to recover. And then my second son was born, um, blessed with, with Mark being born. And uh, my first day back from paternity leave, took a week off for that. My first day back from paternity leave, I get a call from my boss to go to the main hospital downtown for a very important meeting. He didn't know what it was, but just said, show up. So I walk into this room, had every one of my bosses from immediate boss to the chief of staff, Wow. two rows of attorneys I never met in my life, the entire HR department, and another row of physicians I never met in my life, and one chair facing the entire room. Oh my and they said, Dr. Hunsley, that's your seat. Have a seat. We'll start the meeting. Immediately, I'm like, oh, snap. I see the writing on the wall. Wow. And again, I, for me, I just did a text message prayer. I'm like, God help. Because mm-hmm. um, I didn't know what was going on, but I knew I was scared to death. And whatever was about to happen, it was all out of my control. And I just needed to trust God. Yeah. So I sat there. And as I sat there, they proceeded to tell me I had been a wonderful physician. And they loved having me. However, I became a medical legal risk to the hospital. And they were afraid I would get sick and I could die and my family could sue the hospital. Therefore, effective immediately, they weren't going to terminate my job. They terminated my career and said, that's it. You're never able to put your stethoscope on again. You can't change specialties. You can't do anything. You can't even go into insurance to evaluate charts and look at things. You're done. Your medical career is over. And with that, I was escorted out of the hospital by security, got to pack my my a box up with all my belongings, did it the same at, at the other locations, and it was over. My my medical career was done. I'll be honest, I was mad. Yeah. I, I was mad at God. I'm like, God, what are you doing to me? You know, med school was hard. I, I there were parts of times that I I didn't know if I'd make it through med school. 
And you, you helped me persevere. You helped me get through that. And I made it only now to have that rug ripped out from under me. What on earth am I going to do now? Yeah. Well, at the time I had two, two young boys, I had a three-year-old and a newborn. And so I took the hardest job I've ever had in my life. And I was kind of Mr. Mom for my two boys at the time. I got a daughter now as well. Um, but fast forward a little bit when Mark was 18 months old, he had his, or eight, eight months old. I apologize. When Mark was eight months old, he had his first seizure and that seizure lasted over four hours. Goodness. Um, you know, being a ER, you know, pediatrician mm-hmm. working at ER, I saw seizures all the time and worked with that. My wife being a pediatrician, she did too. We were both there when he fell over having a seizure and it's, completely different when it's your own child. Absolutely. And so I, and then when it was going so long, I'm already immediately making plans. My son's got a brain tumor and I'm trying to figure out who's going to, you know, sometimes having too much information is a bad thing. Yeah. It was definitely that case for me. And so I'm now starting to think through, all right, who's the best brain cancer doctor for Mm -hmm. a pediatrician that I know of. And I'm getting everything lined up in my head and going through that. I got to ride in the ambulance downtown. And fast forward, by the time he was 18 months old, we got the, it wasn't brain tumor, obviously, but at 18 months, we got the diagnosis of Dravet syndrome, Mm -hmm. a D-R-A-V-E-T. And it's a very rare genetic seizure disorder um, that's very hard to control. And then by the time he was two, we got the diagnosis of autism. Uh, And so it was at that point that my wife Kay and myself, our eyes were open to the world of disability. You know, we had taken care of a lot of kids with disabilities in the past, but it was the first time in our life that we learned just how difficult it is to be a parent, mm-hmm. that it's 24-7, 365. Uh, you can't go out just whenever you want. Life is different. Um, I can't tell you the number of times I've been in public and my son's having an autistic meltdown. And I have complete strangers tell me, I'm not just a bad parent, but I'm a horrible parent Mm -hmm. because they think it's bad behavior and I don't know how to discipline my child or he's harming himself and I'm protecting him from hurting himself. And I have police officers threatening to arrest me or threatening to tase me because it's a lack of education, a lack of knowledge in the general public as a whole. And they had no idea it was that Mm -hmm. of autism. And so it's really opened my eyes to everything. And through all that, it's helped open my eyes to the world of disability, to these amazing individuals with special needs, mm-hmm. see the amazing heart they have, how much love they have. And I'm more passionate now about them and their families than I ever was yeah. about being a pediatrician. Mm. And you, asked, if you would have asked me that 20 years ago, I would have laughed at never, you. Yeah, never in a million years. Yeah. And so, you know, that's that's kind of the process of, what happened to my, you know, me becoming a doctor. And then, uh, and that's why they call me doc now was because of, of being a physician. And it's a lot easier for the kids to say doc than it is Steve. (laughs) Steve. Well, and as heartbreaking as all that was for you, that was just the beginning of the heartbreak because you're, you know, you, you have your son has autism, he has seizures, you know, my son has seizures too. And for, it's a scary, that's such a scary thing. And, and, Something else happened in your story to add more grief and loss. And so share that the next part of your journey. Yeah. So, so I'll add an extra little story in there to kind of lead to it. Um, When Mark was about two and a half years old, 
um, the church we attended approached me and asked me to become their children's pastor. And, and I'm going, children's pastor? I'm I'm a physician. I'm a doctor. Yeah. I, I, I didn't do seminary. I can't do that. Well, we prayed about it, obviously, and God made it crystal clear that's exactly what I needed to do. Um, and, and he opened that door, flung it wide open. I had three major hurdles I had been trying to work with for two years, couldn't get them cleared. And I said, God, if you want me to do this, you have to remove these hurdles. Within 72 hours, all three disappeared. I'm like, okay, God, I hear you loud and clear. I'm a children's pastor. I created an adult Sunday school class for adults with disabilities and then launched a small respite program for them and their families. And then it was a little bit after that, which is now about 11 and a half years ago, um, November 1st of 2010, my son Mark was cured of his autism and Dravet syndrome when he was born into heaven at the age of five and a half. So we went through... Um, all the highs and lows of being a parent of a child with special needs. And then we went through the grief of losing a child with special needs. Um, and, you know, just trying to figure out why, and again, angry at God through that. And why are you taking away my mm-hmm. son? And, and, you know, when, when you get that diagnosis of a of special needs with your child, whether it's a boy or girl, you go through the grief process to begin with, because you lose your dreams of what your child was going to be. And it's just natural. And you, everyone has to go through that. That was nothing compared to going through the grief of, you know, actually losing a child. Um, You know, our children are supposed to bury us. Mm -hmm. We're not supposed to bury our children. And then it was six, six or seven weeks after Mark passed away, my intestine exploded on me and I almost died once again. Um, ended up spending another three months in the hospital, lost 10 inches of colon. Um, so it was then over the next six months while, you know, or over the next three months, I'm going through, you know, my grief with losing Mark, my recovery from all my surgeries and, and physical health that God made it clear. It was time for us to leave that Mm. church. Um, and we lost a lot of friends, um, with it. And you're going through grief and you're going through all the hard and you're already questioning God, yeah. where are you? What, what all is happening here? And, you know, what, when you look at that, when you look back at that time, you know, I just, I know through my own grief with Jeff, there were certain things that people did and said that it was like, oh, it was balm for my weary soul. Right. And then there were other things that people said that you just went, did they really just say that? So when you, when you were dealing with all those, you know, the loss of your son, the loss of your career, you're in this job and now you're being attacked here in this job. What were some of those things that people said to you that were just like, just the right thing to help you through and encourage you through that grief and that loss? Yeah, that's great. Um, You know, honestly, some of the best things were just sometimes people saying, Hey, I'm praying for you and and I'm here for you. Um, And, and just giving me my space Mm. um, with it. Um, So many, I'd much rather have that than, than people telling me they, they don't want to talk to me because they don't want to remind me of of something. We want to Um, be, we want people to talk. That's the thing. I think people don't understand. It's like, you want people 
to remember and talk right. about. You know, I love it when people tell me Jeff's stories. Oh, absolutely. And, and that was one of my, actually one of my favorite stories. And one of the things I was going to share, um, one of my favorite memories with it was another little five-year-old. He was in Mark's Sunday school class. And again, I'm his children's pastor. And, you know, this was a few months after Mark passed away, maybe five or six months. And he walks up to me and his parents are staying there. And I'm never going to forget, he kind of tugs at my pant leg. Um, and I look down and, and you know, say, what is it? And and I get down on his level. And he he just sits there and he goes, do you and, and Mark's nickname was Bubba. Everyone called him Bubba. Yeah. And he goes, do you remember Bubba? And his parents, I'm so sorry it stopped. I'm like, no, yes, I remember Bubba. Yeah. What do you remember about Bubba? And and then Mark, Bubba, he was nonverbal. He didn't really talk much. But one of the things that he said that I'm never going to forget was he had the best smile in all the world. Oh, wow. And that just melted my heart. Yeah. And his parents are like, oh, I'm so sorry. And I started crying. Yeah. I'm choking up now thinking mm-hmm. about it. But I'm like, don't. I love it. Because nobody ever has to remind me that my son's not with me. Mm. I wake up every single day missing my son Mm -hmm. and knowing he's not here, but I completely am at peace knowing I'm going to be reunited with him one day in heaven Mm -hmm. because Jesus Christ is my personal Lord and Savior. And I don't have to fret and worry that my time here on earth is going to be small compared to having Mm -hmm. eternity with him. And with my heavenly father. But I absolutely love talking about Mark mm-hmm. and talking about his impact on people. Yeah. And oh my gosh, talk about having impact. That little redheaded Henri boy has had more impact yeah. and has touched more lives than I could ever dream mm-hmm. of and more than most people could ever do if they try. Yeah. And he only did it with having a a smile and mischievousness and being ornery. Um, but I love talking about it. Yeah. And that's the same. It's just like, it's such, it just brings so much peace that people still remember, even after all these years, things about your son, about Jeff. And, right. you know, when I think about your story, you know, there, you've had so much tragedy, so much loss, so many hard things that have happened to you. And yet, You've taken those losses and those hard things and you've turned them in to something that's now giving back to other families like ours. Right. And so right. share about what you do now um, through your organization and your heart and your passion for the special needs community. Right. So I'm I'm proud to say that I'm the executive director and founder of SOAR Special Needs. Uh, SOAR stands for special opportunities, abilities, and relationships. And we're an independent nonprofit that transforms the lives of special families. And we empower them to soar in their local and faith communities. And we help answer the three main questions that every family with a child with disability has. The first question is, will my child ever be able to provide for themselves? Second question, who's gonna take care of my child once I'm gone? And then the third question, Who's going to take care of me as a parent or a caregiver? Mm -hmm. And we answer all those questions with our current and future programming. 
And, you know, Becky, those were my three questions that would keep me up at night Yeah. when Mark was alive. And I never once vocalized those questions. I never once shared them with my wife. I mean, my wife and I talk about everything. I was too afraid to talk about that with her. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until, you know, a few months after Mark passed away that I shared that with her. Only to be shocked that she shared back. Those were her exact questions. And now as I talk with thousands and thousands of families, not just across the country, but across the world, those are their questions. And so SOAR exists to help answer those questions. What do we do? We provide respite now on a monthly basis. Um, We're located in the greater Kansas City area. We go throughout the greater KC area and and every month on Friday and or Saturday, give parents two to three hours off. Take care of the siblings as well because they don't have a normal life. Mm -hmm. You know, divorce rate is estimated up around 90%. If you add medical illness, like seizures, diabetes jumps possibly to 95%. We need to give these families a break. So that's what we do. I have a full medical team, a full behavior team with everything, every event we do. We also do summer camps where everything, again, we focus on one's ability, not their disability. And so we have eight-hour-a-day summer camps. We're doing two this year, both on the Missouri and Kansas side. And we've got virtual options where people can, can, churches can partner with us and do it for their church treat it as a, a you know special needs VBS or do it as a, a camp. And our hope in the next few years is we'll actually take our camp on the road. Um, we're hoping to maybe come to Nashville and come to other places. So be in your backyard, but take, take it where other families are and teach other churches how to do it. Love it. But one of the other big things we firmly believe in is that every family with a child with a disability should be able to go to a place of faith of their choosing. Unfortunately, today, only 11% of churches in the United States welcome families with disabilities, and that's not acceptable, and nor is it biblical. Um, That means 89% of churches today have no problem telling families they're not welcome. So SOAR has set up where we are passionate about training churches how to welcome families, how to create disability ministries, or take what they have and take it to the next level, help teach them how to do respite, teach them how to do camps. And we've got a goal to assist a thousand churches in the next five years. Well, today, as of this recording, we've now done over 500 churches throughout the United States and 12 countries around the world. That's amazing. So God's blessing us and helping us on that route. And then we also host the Wonderfully Made Disability Conference, which is one of the largest disability conferences in the country. We're excited. We're going to be back in person this year after two years of being virtual thanks to COVID. Um, And we have two tracks, one for families with disabilities and then one for ministries and organizations working with disabilities. And I love that's what I love about your conference is because you do have the two tracks. Not all conferences do that. And I think it's so important to feed into the families as well as training churches on how to do disability ministry. So that's what I love about your conference. And, And so, you know, and let's be honest, so many ministry leaders who are doing disability ministry are also parents. Correct. Um, themselves. Um, and so, you know, we, we need to fill them both. And, and the theme of the conference is always, you know, strength for today, hope for tomorrow. And we just are here to fill the tool belt of our parents and let them know that they can make it through today and there is hope tomorrow. 
Plus, I've got a huge dream of all kinds of other things. (laughs) You know, and and it's fun to dream because you and I, because we're head of our organizations, we get to be the big dreamers. We get to come up with all the ideas and then go to our team and say, okay, how are we going to make it happen? And that's, that's what I love about what I get to do at Rising Above as well. And what I love when I look at you and your story, you know, you had a choice when all these hard things happened, when your career didn't go the way you wanted it to go, when you lost your son, when you had a child with special needs, all all the things you could have chosen to stay in that place of being angry with God, being mad about your circumstances, but you chose to rise above that and to say, okay, God, what, what now? And so, you know, I know there are people listening right now who are looking at their life and they're saying, okay, you know what? My life looks nothing like what I thought it would. God, you know, and, and you're blaming God, you know, for the, for these things that have happened. You're mad and you're angry and you're mad and angry at everybody and everything. What would you say to that person who's stuck in that place of my life stinks? It is not what I thought. I mean, I could say the same thing about my life. My life looks nothing right. like what I thought it was going to look like. But you and I would both say there's joy and there's hope and there's, it doesn't have to, you don't have to stay in that place. So what would you say to that person who is stuck in that place of grief and loss and anger? Yeah. So first thing I'd I'd say is realize God loves you. You are his own child and, you know, he's not doing anything to hurt you. Mm. Um. Second thing I'd say, you know, it's, it's a, you know, and it's one of the things a lot of people have told me and I, it's one of the statements I absolutely hate. It's a lie straight from the pit of hell. And it's the statement in any, just about every special needs parent has heard this statement and I hate it. And the statement is, oh, God will never give you more than you can handle. Right. Oh, baloney. (laughs) And I truly believe God purposely gives you more than you can handle. Why? He doesn't want you to take care of it. Right. He doesn't want you to handle it. And I learned a long time ago through this, if I try to focus on things I have no control about, I go crazy. Mm -hmm. It causes me to worry. And it just makes life spin out of control. So God doesn't want me to focus on that. God wants me to give that back to him, lay it at the foot of the cross and say, God, take this off of me. I'm going to trust you with it and you take care of this. You provide. And this small piece here, I can focus on this. I actually have control of what's going to happen here. You've got the rest. You've got my back. I'm going to do this. And all of a sudden you'll find, oh, I can breathe. I can do that. I can move forward. But no, God is with you all the time. There were several times that I'm like, God, God, why have you forsaken me? Why mm-hmm. are you leaving me all yeah. alone? I feel like I'm I'm in that shadow, you know, in that belly of, of darkness. And I see no light. I see no one around. Well, my problem is I'm not looking in the right places. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes it might be because God's actually picked me up and carrying me. And I'm so self-absorbed. I can't realize it. And so we have to learn to take our eyes off of us and truly place our eyes on Jesus and say, show me what you want Mm -hmm. and trust him and say, I'm yours. Take me, mold me, do what you want with me. You know, like you said, I've, I've had major 
trials. I've now lost two major because when I lost, you know, wasn't a children's pastor anymore. I was devastated there losing that too. So I've now lost two major careers that I was passionate about. I've lost my son. I've lost my health. I've come close to death multiple times. And, you know, I joke all the time. I feel like a cat. I've had so many near death. <laughs> so many experience. lives. Yeah. And I hate cats. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's kind of God's joke with me right. on that. But I can honestly, you know, sit here and talk with you and say, today I can praise God for every single one of those trials that's happened in my life. But there's nothing wrong with being mad at God. Yeah. Nothing wrong with being outright he can, mad. He at can him. handle it. He, he can, can handle, handle it. it. You can yeah. yell at God yeah. all you want. Yeah. The difference is how you deal with that. Do you hold on to that mm-hmm. or do you let it go? Yeah. Because remember, Jesus died for you. Mm-hmm. He paid the ultimate gift. Who am I then to sit here and say, how dare you do this to me? When he totally understands yeah. death. And then one of the things when I'm going, God, you don't have a clue what I'm going through. (laughs) He hit me between the eyes when he said, what are you talking about? I too lost my son, but it was my only son. Mm -hmm. And I told, I made the decision that he's going to die. And I made him die the most painful death possible. And I'm like, oh, you do get it. Yeah. So God understands everything we could possibly yeah. be going through. It's not. It's choosing to not stay in that place. It's choosing to move forward. It, it, all those emotions, all those things are, are natural part of the process. But it's when you choose then to move forward beyond that and then allow God to use what's happened to you. You know, you can minister to a family who's lost a child where I can't. I can minister to someone who's lost a spouse. I can speak now right. into the life of single parents that I never could before. And so it's being willing for to allow God to use our story, to use right. the things that have happened to us to then impact the lives of people all around us. And, you know, here at Rising Above this year, it's the year of restoration. We're looking at ways that we can allow God to come into our lives and to, to bring restoration into those broken and beat up places in our in our lives. And so we're asking all of our podcast guests, what are you doing right now that's currently allowing God to bring restoration into your life? Yeah, that's a powerful question. Uh, I love that word uh, as well, restoration. Um, for, for me, what's bringing restoration to me is us with SOAR being able to launch new things mm-hmm. to be able to serve more families yeah. and know that we're transforming lives. Yeah. Um, one of the things I'm super excited about, we're hoping to launch it within the next maybe 16, 18 months, if not sooner, God willing. Uh, we want to launch missions trips for families with disabilities. You know, there's hundreds of organizations that do missions trips to go serve families with disabilities. But I haven't found one yet that actually takes individuals and families with disabilities Mm -hmm. to go serve families with disabilities. But for me, I have restoration, restoration on my soul when I'm able to give up myself and serve others Mm -hmm. and and see that I'm bringing hope and I'm transforming their lives. That restores me. That that makes me sit back and go, huh, good. Yeah. Um, I that just fills my soul. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time, for me, it helps me see Mark live on yeah. through all these lives. Yeah. Um, so and I know it's the same for you with 
with Jeff, everything you're doing with Rise Above is the continuation of Jeff's legacy. Mm-hmm. Well, Soar is completely the continuation of Mark's legacy. And we're going to launch sensory-friendly birthday parties mm. because our families wow. can't go and have birthday parties out yeah. in public. So things like that restore me yeah, because I'm able to bring hope and peace mm. to other families. Yeah, it's amazing when we give back, it does restore us. And so, Doc, I just want to thank you so much for sharing part of your journey with us and for doing ministry together. And uh, I just appreciate your time today. And we'll be sure to include links to your website and all the things that you're doing so our listeners can go and check it out. So thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. And, and you know, anyone that's out there that that is struggling, trying to make it through, God's got your back let go and let him direct you and show you the way and and get ready to soar because through God, you're going to be able to soar. So come soar with us. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Rising Above Ministries podcast. If you like what you hear, please take a minute to leave us a rating and review. This helps others like you find our content more easily. You can learn more about how Rising Above Ministries is encouraging the special needs community by checking out our website at risingaboveministries.org or by finding us on Facebook and Instagram. We look forward to connecting with you.